Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, head of the Flames' big game in Winnipeg Wednesday night. And also Jared Ladderbrook of Golf Manitoba will join us to preview the Masters. That's all coming up on the podcast. Welcome back to the program. We have three games tonight in the NHL. As Vegas is up one nothing in Minnesota, if the Wild win tonight, they're into the playoffs. If not, they'll they'll just do it again next game. Same with Dallas. They host Nashville tonight, looking to clinch a playoff spot with a win. Seattle trying to gain some separation over the Jets for that first wild card spot. They're hosting Arizona at 9 o'clock. Blue Jays not having a good night in Kansas City. Jose Barrios has allowed five runs on seven hits in just three-plus innings of work. Not great. Jays just have one hit as well tonight. Canada wins 6-3 over Japan at the World Men's Curling Championship, so they're now 3-2. and two. NCAA Men's Basketball Championship starts at 8-20 tonight. No NBA tonight either because of that game, but there you go. There's your update. Wednesday night in Winnipeg. It's going to be a huge game as the Calgary Flames are in town to face the Winnipeg Jets and the host of Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary is Pat Steinberg. Pat, how are you feeling about the Flames' chances right now? Well, uh, better than, first of all, good to talk to you, buddy. Uh, better, than, uh, better than I did like two weeks ago. Um, not as good as I did last Tuesday night uh, when Winnipeg lost that game to San Jose. The, uh, the euphoria, oh, maybe that's a strong word, but the excitement in this market. So, obviously, that was a late game in San Jose. Flames wrapped up a big win over L.A., about an hour, hour and a half before the Jets game wrapped up in San Jose. And so we're doing our post-game show and obviously keeping an eye on it. Our text line, as soon as, I think it was the 3 nothing goal, or maybe the 2 nothing goal, our text line lit up like, oh, Jets are down 2 nothing in San Jose. And I give Winnipeg a ton of credit for what they've done since then, coming home with those two big wins Friday and Sunday. And the Flames have put themselves in a spot where, at the very least, they're playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. And we weren't even sure if that game in Winnipeg was going to mean anything. We weren't even sure a couple of weeks ago, as much as we knew that the Jets were the team that Calgary was going to be chasing, we weren't sure whether or not that game was actually going to mean anything or whether or not it was going to be, okay, yeah, it means something, but really the Jets are four or six up, so how much does it really mean? Well, Calgary wins tomorrow, and they've got Chicago before they come into Winnipeg on Wednesday. What is admittedly a tough stretch, three and four, and then the Jets on the second half of a back-to-back in game three of three and four. They win Tuesday in Chicago or at uh, at home to Chicago. Then they're tied with Winnipeg, one extra game played, and that game's a season definer, especially for Calgary. So the fact that they put themselves in this situation – the fact that they have really rallied nicely with wins in five of six since they were absolutely blown out of the water exactly two weeks ago, eight two in Los Angeles, which I honestly believed was at the very least that there was a chance of that, that was the final kind of waving the white flag moment for them. So the fact that they have been able to really man up since then and be a much better team get some results, put all the BS behind them, and look like a galvanized group for the first time all season. I give them credit. It might be too little too late, 
The Jets control their destiny far more than the Flames do, but the fact that Wednesday's game has so much implication on it, I think is a small win for the Flames, knowing where they were two weeks ago. The last two games haven't been the prettiest for the Calgary Flames. If you go by the the notion of it doesn't matter how at this point in the year, it just matters if you did it or not, then it's all good. 5-4 overtime win in Vancouver Friday. And then they had to sweat out a game last night against the Ducks. 5-4 the final there. So a pair of games where they give up four, but they win. Has goaltending really been the biggest issue for the team this season? Where has it gone wrong? Well, I mean, yes, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. If you were to say, and, and I think the reason why it's so pronounced is because goaltending was such a strength for them last year, right? Like they were with the same tandem. They had a Vesna Trophy runner-up and a pretty good backup. And that same tandem last year was top five in the league. And this year, they're bottom five in the league. And Markstrom's hovering at, I think, I didn't look today, but he was 890 and that allowed two on nine last night. So he's now below 890 again. And Vladar is hovering around 895. Like, they have gotten rather poor goaltending when you take a look at the, the body of work over 77 games. And knowing how much of a strength it was last year, I think that's the number one reason why you look at the change from being the top team in the Pacific division last year to being where they are right now and fighting for their playoff lives. Like it is tough to overcome a goaltending swing of that magnitude. Like we're talking about 25, 30 points of goaltending one year to the next. So I think that has been the number one issue not the only issue and to blame it solely on goaltending, I think is unfair because their inability to win in overtime Friday night, uh, notwithstanding their inability to close out third periods, their inability prior to the last two games of being able to come back in games when they were trailing, there's a lot of things. And, and, not just Sika Markstrom, who is one of many top players who has fallen completely off based on what they did last year, but the inability for top players, period, on this team to drive the bus on a consistent basis is a huge reason why they are where they are. Like, if you take a look at the – and I'm, I'm sure that you've, you've at least seen this on Twitter or online, but the points per game drops for Jonathan Huberdo and Nazem Kadri year over year are almost unprecedented. And to have them both on the same team definitely is unprecedented. And, and I think that we all knew that the Flames were going to be more of an offensively challenged team this year than they were last year because of who they lost in the offseason and how good their number one line was last year. But for Jonathan Huberdeau to go from 115 points and basically when it's all said and done, he's probably going to be essentially cut in half from one year to the next. Like that, that's hard to wrap your head around. And, and Nazem Kadri comes off a career year, wins a cup in Colorado, and he's way down. And they counted on those two guys, or were counting on those two guys coming into the season to be their offensive drivers, along with Lindholm, who's having a down year, along with Mangiapane, who's having a down year. And so when you have that many top players, and I point to Huberto, Kadri, Lindholm, and Markstrom, who all go from having years that were way up here and drop to where they are right now, again, that's, that's tough to overcome. So the fact the Flames 
are still in it with five games to go is, is actually pretty remarkable when you think about it. And, and it still is one of those things. I'm like, goodness, like that. I'm actually surprised that they're still in this thing. It kind of reminds me of Montreal in the bubble year when they got into the playoffs. I'm not suggesting that Calgary's going to go to the Stanley cup final. It's more the, the regular season. It just reminds me of Montreal. You're like, they have no business being where they're being or being where they're at. But because of all these loser points, they're able to stick around. And Calgary has 15 loser points. It's insane. It's, and that's, that's the equivalent of seven and a half wins that they've got. Like, you take a look at Winnipeg's win total and Calgary's win total. They're not close. But because Calgary has all these loser points, they've been able to stick around, which I guess is a credit in one hand to them being able to keep it close and, and a discredit in the other for not being able to close them out. So, yeah, it's been a weird season, man. And I think goaltending would be at the top of my list as to why the expectations have been missed so dramatically this year. But it's one of a number of different things that have gone into what has been a frustrating year, but a year that the Flames are trying to salvage and trying to use the old mantra, it's not how you get in, it's if you get in. I don't even know if that's an old mantra, but they're trying to erase the first three quarters of the season with a good last quarter and then see if they can make the noise in the playoffs. Yeah, they have fewer wins than Buffalo and Ottawa. They only have two more wins than Vancouver, but because of those loser points, there they are. I mean, a big reason why they're still in it is because Winnipeg took a nosedive for a couple months. And Absolutely. and now they're going to, you know, they've won two in a row. People are feeling better in this market. It all disappears if they lose on Wednesday. Uh, do you, what do you think, if the Calgary Flames are to win this game specifically, what do you think will be the biggest difference in making that happen? Um, well, okay, so a couple things. First of all, it, it's you're going to have to see, if you're a Flames fan, you're going to have to see the good Jacob Markstrom. And we did not see that. Um, on Vancouver on, on Friday night against Vancouver necessarily where he allowed four on 20. And again, it's not like they were gimme goals or, or goals that you say, oh, that's an ugly one on Jacob. But, you know, you're a $6 million goaltender. It's, it's kind of similar to the conversations that were being had a lot last year with the guy in your market in Connor Hellebuck. You're like, okay, well, he's, he's a premier goaltender. Yeah, that might have been a good chance, but we expect him to stop good chances. And, and that's what we've talked about a lot with Markstrom. And that was the case on, on Friday against Vancouver. Then he allows two on nine in the first period last night and gets pulled in favor of Dan Vladar. So you're going to have to see the Jacob Markstrom that was huge for Calgary in their win last week over Los Angeles or the Markstrom that stole them two points in a game against Minnesota in St. Paul about a month ago. And, and the guy that has been showing up more often than not since the beginning of March when the Flames kind of went away from, okay, it's an open competition. Dan Vladar has got an opportunity to win this thing. And they basically went to Jacob the beginning of March and said, okay, the final quarter's here. You're our guy. We need you to be our guy. We need you to get hot and we need you to be the guy that we can rely on. And for the most part, save, I think, three or four games, for the most part, he's been that guy. And I think since March 1st, nobody in the NHL has played more minutes than Jacob Markstrom has. So he's been able to answer the bell more often than not. So they, the, the Flames need that guy because there's no question that Markstrom goes against the Jets on Wednesday. The only question is who goes tomorrow? Do they go Vladar against the, the Blackhawks or do they go Markstrom back-to-back? I think you got to go Vladar, but you never know with this coach and his goaltending decision. So that remains to be seen. And then... They, they, that's number one. 
And then they got to just kind of play the, the hockey that they have played more often than not over the last 10 to 15 games, shot suppression, strong, lots of shot volume and rely on the guys that have driven the bus this year to drive it again. Michael Backlund, Tyler Toffoli, Blake Coleman, Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, uh to, to get the job done. So, you know, those are the, those are the things. And you can't, you can't do what happened the last two games. And that is fall down after 40 minutes of play because yes, for the first time all year, they've won one and now two games when trailing after 40, but against a much better team in Winnipeg, I think that's a little bit more of a tall task. So that, that, I, I think it starts with Markstrom and goes from there. And it's a tough, it's a tough spot for him. Like the circumstances don't add up when you talk about three games in four nights, it's not a quick hop, skip and a jump from Calgary to Winnipeg. And you're doing it after a game against Chicago. So the, the, it's, if the Flames do end up beating the Jets on Wednesday night, it's going to have to be a pretty resilient effort from the group. And as we know with the tie-breaking situation, they, they pretty much have to get it done in regulation as well. Yeah, for those who don't know, the Jets have the tiebreakers. So the Flames need to finish with more points than Winnipeg to get that final spot. Pat, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll have fun watching it happen Wednesday night. Yep, looking forward to it, man. Good to hear from you. That's Pat Steinberg. He hosts Jets, or Flames Hockey, pardon me, on Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. Three games in the NHL tonight at the Boston Pizza Sports Desk. The Winnipeg Jets are keeping an eye on the Nashville Predators, who aren't really their biggest threat. It's Calgary, but nonetheless, five points back with a couple games in hand. They win those games in hand. They're suddenly only a point behind Winnipeg. So it's important to some degree. They're in Dallas, down one nothing after one. Stars clinch a playoff spot with a win tonight. Minnesota Wild are hosting Vegas. They also clinch a playoff spot, the Wild do, with a victory tonight. It is one all in the second period. And the Seattle Kraken looks like they're going to make the playoffs in their second year of existence. They're not They're not in clinching territory yet. They got work to do. They're, in, they're at home against the Coyotes tonight trying to gain some separation over the Winnipeg Jets. One point up with a couple games in hand. Major League Baseball, it's not going well for the Jays tonight. They're down 9-2 to the Kansas City Royals as the Royals look like they're going to get their first W of the season. Jose Brios was brutal in this one. Gives up eight runs on nine hits in five and two-thirds innings. So that's a 12.71 ERA. In his first start of the year. That's nice. Connecticut and San Diego State are on the court in Houston, Texas in the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. They are tied at 10, about six minutes in. And Houston uh, or uh, Connecticut just scored, so they're up by two. So There you go. Now it's uh, Masters Week, folks. Uh, oh, sorry. Hello, friends. It's Masters Week. There we go. That's the right tone. To lead in to the first and arguably most important and prestigious major on the golf calendar. Picture wonderful scenes, birds chirping, the azaleas blooming. And a green jacket to the victor as Scotty Scheffler looks to defend his title at Augusta. Here to talk about the week and Corey Connors heading in on a heater is Jared Latterbrook, Executive Director of Golf Manitoba. And uh, well, Jared, you must love this time of year. Yeah, it's exciting. It, it kind of kicks off the golf season uh, in Canada. I uh, always find that the Masters really uh, gets people excited about the upcoming golf season, and uh, and it's you know it's I would say it's the best of the four majors to watch. Um, I guess the national, um, you know, the best players in the world. It's a lot of fun. 
So let's just start with the Canadian content because it would be great to see another Canadian win this tournament. Corey Connors has been sort of knocking at the door at the Masters the last couple of years. He's finished top 10 a couple of years in a row. And he's coming off a big win yesterday. Picked up his second ever win at the Valero Texas Open. One stroke win over Sam Stevens with the final round 68 to finish 15 under par. How much momentum does this give him heading into the Masters? He's comfortable there. He's like you said. He's played well the last number of years. Um, what's what is is going to need to to work for him as his putter? I think that might be his you know his his uh, softer part of his game. But I mean, hey, he won on the PGA Tour again. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a solid player. Uh, he seems to be very comfortable at Augusta, and um, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch him um, coming off that big win um, in Texas. I just to correct myself, top 10 three years in a row. He's tied for 10 in 2020, tied 8 in 2021, tied 6 in 2022. So pretty good run to play for Corey Connors. Flying under the radar, I think, going into this tournament, don't you think? Yeah, he's going in the right direction. I mean, he, he, uh, if he follows trend, he's going he's gonna to go up and, and maybe finish T4 or T2, or who knows, maybe he'll win. But uh, I'm sure a lot of Canadians are going to have their eyes on him on, uh, on his scorecard this week. So looking at the overall field, there's added intrigue this year because of Liv. And so many golfers have headed over to the Saudi Tour to get the paycheck. And maybe they're not as finely tuned as they would have been had they played in this uh, PGA Tour the last year or so. But for you, how much added drama is there because of all these golfers that many of us haven't seen since they went to Liv? Because most of us haven't watched Liv. Yeah, no, it uh, it'll be interesting to to see them play again and compete again. I think the last time they they were head to head was uh, was at the Open, uh, I believe, last year. Um, so yeah, we'll see how their games have, have held up and and uh, you know what uh, what the atmosphere will be. At their, you know, there's a there's a side you know storyline to all of this, um, but they you know they can all still play. Um, you know, they're all fantastic golfers and and. Uh, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what the what the result is. It's a smaller field, though, uh, one of the smallest in, in major golf. But um, you know, it's going to be entertaining. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of storylines happening, and and uh, we'll make for some some great watching this weekend. Who specifically are you looking forward to watching? Uh, from the live the live players, or just in general? Let's go with the live first. Yeah, I mean, oh, there's some, you know, DJ, obviously, uh, he's won here. He's, he's you know, he, he plays a, a fantastic game. I mean, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Cam Smith, uh, obviously, uh, a nice player as well. Um, it'll be nice to see them play uh, head-to-head again and, and to, just to see where they, where they line up. Um, you know, on, on, the, on the tour side, I mean, we've got, I think one, two, three in the world playing Scotty Scheffler, uh, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, um, you know, and then some some players that are going to you know look to fly under the radar. Um, you know, Adam Scott uh, playing in this one. Um, uh, you know, uh, just just a lot of really good golfers playing in this event, and uh, and and with the golf course uh, coming in a little bit longer this year uh, than in previous years, uh, it's it's really going to test those that. I can hit it long and, and, and shape it from right to left. Specifically on Rory, where he's been so outspoken against the, the live golfers and he's kind of been carrying the PGA Tour flag. I'm sure the behind closed doors, the tour is cheering for him, wouldn't you think? Yeah, he's he's carried the PGA Tour flag quite proudly. He's, he's waved it and he's, he's he's been very outspoken about you know why? Why uh, you know the tour is is the best uh, uh, tour, and, and why players shouldn't go to live. 
so yeah, I mean, he's the poster child right now for for the PGA Tour, and and uh, I mean, if he wins, uh, I mean that that would just be uh, uh, you know good good for that tour, but uh, also it's it's the one that he needs. Um, so certainly, uh, you know, the pressure that he's got to be carrying to this is 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 got to be pretty big. Tiger Woods is always someone. If he's playing in a golf tournament, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods. We're going to pay attention to Tiger Woods. Last year it was all about could he walk. And he, he had an amazing Friday, or a, he had an amazing start, and then he just his body kind of fell apart as the, the week went on. But do you still get excited to see Tiger Woods when he golfs, or, or are we past the point of, of that just because of all that he's had to go through physically? Well, he looked pretty good at Riviera. He played nicely. I mean, he hosted that event. Um, and he. I, I don't think we're past it. Um, he, he still draws just a tremendous amount of, of of interest from golf enthusiasts. Uh, he is Tiger Woods, um, you know, argu- arguably one of the, the greatest ever to play. Uh, and it all depends on, on if he's healthy, if he can string together a, uh, an early round and, and hang in it. I mean, who knows? I mean, I think we talked about this uh, uh, the last couple of years when, we, when we're previewing the Masters. I mean, he, whenever he's in the field, it's, it's exciting. Um, it'd be good for him to, to play well, but I mean, he's bringing with him some more baggage. He's certainly uh, he certainly doesn't uh, shy away from drawing attention to him, but um, I think it's good. I think it's good for golf fans. We like watching great golf, and and uh, um, he certainly has has put on a, a show at Augusta over the years. Yeah, it was Thursday last year where he actually finished in uh, tied for tenth after the opening round. He yeah. shot one under and then seventy four, seventy eight, seventy eight, and we didn't really see him on the weekend. It was Rory who ended up making a little bit of noise after three straight rounds in the 70s. He shot a, seven, a 64 to close it out on Sunday. He finished a second, but Scott, uh, Scotty Scheffler really ran away with the tournament last year. So would you consider Scheffler then the favorite this year? Yeah, I mean, if you looked at him uh, in the match play, I mean, he, he just fell short of, of making it to the finals um, a few weekends ago. I mean, he's coming in hot. He, he's just... You know, tons of confidence um, right now in his game, and and obviously he's comfortable there, uh, defending champion. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, you you got to look at him as as a favorite uh, coming in, and and I'm sure he's he's coming in with that confidence. Uh, he knows what he needs to do at Augusta, um, and uh, you know, I, I would you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there this weekend. So if I were to ask you to pick who you think's going to win, <laughs> I always have to ask you, and and we're never right, but never, never. Um, well, I'm I'm going to uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with the Canadian favorite again. I think I picked him last year, Corey Connors. Uh, it would just be amazing to see him pull this off. Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, he he'd be up there. He he'd be my uh, my under the radar pick, but uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Rory McIlroy. Uh, to take this one this year. I'd like that, personally. I think a lot of people would like that. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with this, the uh, the National Golf League for Recreational Players that's been announced today by Golf Canada? Yeah, yeah. It's a new program to, uh, uh, to um, you know, encourage a, a league play uh, uh, with our you know, Canadian golfers and, and just uh, – uh, a new real uh, opportunity to to get involved, um, you know, at the recreational uh, level uh, with Golf Canada. So, uh, an exciting uh, new product that they're coming out with, and uh, you know, we're excited to be a part of it. It's it's obviously still fairly new, uh, very new, I should say, uh, just being announced today, and and uh, we're looking to, to get involved and and helping to grow the sport and and get more people playing. And really, that's that's what it's about. 
um, with some neat, neat incentives, incentives and, and uh, just really about growing the sport. And so this uh, culminates with a national championship in, in Hamilton as part of the Canadian Open Tournament Week next year. Uh, so is this any, like literally any person could win this event? Yeah, there's some, uh, yeah, you do have to, uh, to, to commit to playing in, in the format and, and there's, there's just some, uh, some, some things that you have to, some boxes that you have to take off to, to qualify to be eligible to play. Um, and then it's, you know, it's nationwide and, and every province will have a, a regional qualifier and, and, uh, depending on field sizes, um, in, in each province, uh, a select number of players will, will move on. So, uh, it's a really neat concept, and, and Golf Canada is, is excited about it. And like I said, it's um, you know it's a different look for them. Uh, really looking at the the recreational golfer, uh, where their focus has been primarily on on uh, excellence uh, through their championship portfolio. But uh, you know we're excited to be a part of it, and and I think this is a, a great move uh, you know to help grow golf. And what else is on your plate right now at Golf Manitoba, just getting ready for the, the championship year? Because we're still, what, like a month away before courses can open at least? Yeah, our, our active season, so that's, that's when you can officially uh, uh, register any game that you play towards, uh, towards your scoring record, uh, opens April 15th. And, and looking out, outside right now, that, that doesn't seem like, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're going to be there anytime soon. But, but that's when it, it starts. Um, you know, we're, we're getting excited about, uh, about the upcoming year, starting with our golf and schools program that kicks off, um, uh, where we visit, uh, schools in and around our region, uh, delivering, uh, basic golf skills instruction to, to students in an educational setting. And, and then we move and, and roll right into our competitive year, which is, uh, the match play, uh, championship, which starts at the end of May, uh, at Glendale Golf and Country Club, a, a really, uh, premier venue. And, and then we just keep rolling on and, um, into the competitive season. So, um, uh, you know, some, some new rules of golf this year and, and uh, some great championships that we have set up. And, and you know, we're, we're really looking forward to, uh, to getting it all started. For those who may have missed it, what are the new rules? Uh, I'm going to leave that one up to our referees. I, okay. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I am certainly not a rules expert, but right now they're, they're undergoing that. There's been some changes to the rules, um, some modifications, and, and that happens every, every few years. Um, the, the last major revision was in 2019 and, and, uh, we saw the rules reduced, uh, down to 24 rules and, uh, they added a new one for this year. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it, it shows that, that golf is, is trying to be more inclusive and, and revising the rules and to, to make them more, you know, easier to follow and easier to interpret and understand. And, and, uh, you know, we're excited to, um, you know, to, to, to get that going this year and, and, uh, Looking, let's let's hope for a, a long season of golf. Um, you know, we'd like to see that for sure. It's all about the weather in Manitoba. Jared, appreciate your time. As always, thanks for this, and enjoy the Masters this weekend. Thanks a lot. You too, Christian. Jared Ladebrook is the Executive Director of Golf Manitoba.